God has great a great destiny for this church. Genesis chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 21 through 24. In high school, I was, um, I was in a marching band or the marching band of our high school. And we will go and compete against other schools. And if you've ever seen this or maybe you've been a part of a high school football game or even in the marching band yourself, marching band is about having the ability to do a lot of things at once. You need a, if you didn't, maybe you didn't know all these details, but the whole set of a marching band is memorized. Um, the moment you're in competition and if you have music in front of you, you're, the, you're practically disqualified. They take off so many points that you're not, you're not even going to compete with everybody. So your whole set needs to be memorized. Uh, you need to play in tune. Um, you need to match the guy that's on the other side of the football field. Um, your tone has to match the same. And the judges, they sit from on top, um, a higher position, so they're able to see things that aren't necessarily in your peripheral or in your point of view um, while you're in the marching band. Um, some of those things is the way your head's positioned. If you're like this, they take off points. And um, you ever seen the feathers that, that they put up there um, on marching bands? Part of that for, is that reason, so they're able to tell if you're, if you're kind of leaning this way. Um, they're able to hear differently, too. When you're, when you're playing the trumpet or a trombone and you're marching at the same time, you can hear the mmm. They take off points for that. So what you got to do is you got to be able to separate your diaphragm um, from your actual steps so that it actually sounds sound. There's a lot of things. <laughs> but for I was in the drum line. For drummers, the big, big thing is you have to stay in step. Left, right, left, right, while you're, you're doing your whole thing. You're, sometimes you even dance. <laughs> you're throwing sticks, you're moving your hips, but you've got left, right, left, right. And if you've ever been to a show and the music stops, you always hear the left, right, left, right, and then you hear the song, and then there's a break. You hear the left, right, because you always got to stand. And if you're not in step, they start taking off points. That's marching band. You must remain in step with your band. Sounds simple, but it's not. Especially when you're doing a bunch of other things. A fundamental in our walk with God is while we do other things, is we must build on staying in step with God. There is logistics to ministry. There is the care for people. You're trying to get people to make heaven their home. And you got so many different things. You're trying to keep your heart right. And you got all kinds of things. But the point is that the fundamental is you have to stay in step with God. Going back to marching band, the first thing you learn is to stay in step. If you can't stay in step, you won't make the band. You have to be able to stay in step. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, we read about a man who walked with God. And I've dared to venture that we can even take the phrase of staying in step as something of intimacy with God. And I believe this man had it. Verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God. 
and he was not, for God took him. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled, In Stride with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for this moment you've given us. God, I pray that you will speak to every single one of us this morning, God. Father, to move away any distractions, God. God, to put you as a priority, God, in our life, as a foundation. God, of everything we're going to build upon, God, as a church, as individuals, families here in this place, marriages, God, I pray that their foundation will always be to walk with you, God, in Jesus' name. And the people of God said this morning, amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is walking in this world. To walk with God in this world, it means you have to walk against the currents. Salvation positions us in a place where we can start following God. And as we follow God, we quickly realize we go against what the world is doing. We go against the currents of anybody here. You might have been to or you might have gone to a river, swim in, in the river. It's a little bit different than um, just going to a lake. There's a current or even an ocean as the waves come in. You try to swim against it. It becomes a little difficult. This is what happens in salvation is that it positions you. Yes, you're saved and there's grace, there's mercy, and there's this, there's, um, this moment of, of happiness and joy, but you quickly realize as you take these steps with God that you're going the opposite direction of certain people in your life. Family, friends, coworkers, you realize that you're starting to not only go the different direction physically, you won't go to the bars anymore. You're not going to go to the clubs anymore. The weekends are reserved for other things that, uh, that, that you used to do, but now you're saved, but you're even starting to think different. Things that used to be funny to you aren't funny anymore. You could talk about all the sexual innuendos that might be used in workplaces, and, uh, and it just becomes this place where you just quickly realize, I just don't fit in anymore. We were going the opposite way of God and taking people with us. You ever wonder why this world is so lost? Because not only are they missing Jesus, but they're also blind people leading blind people. Matthew 15, 14, let them alone. It says, let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind need the blind, both will fall into a pit. See, part of walking with God is doing what the world isn't doing. There's certain signs in life that their whole purpose is just to let you know you're going the wrong way. You ever seen those that, that they're, they're, the sign that says wrong way is the opposite direction of everything else? So, for example, if you're driving down and on the right-hand side, the sign says wrong way, you're going the wrong way. You need to quickly turn around because that sign is just, let, this whole purpose is letting you know you're going the wrong direction. This is true in life. There's certain things, and one of those signs, for the most part, is look at what the world is doing, and that's a sign for you. That's the wrong way. It's taking you the wrong way. You mimic the world, and you end up in divorce. Mimic the world, and you end up in addictions and depression, and you end up anxious, and you end up with rage and, and with problems because you miss the signs that say you're going the wrong way. It is rejection. It is rejecting the direction and intention of the world that gets us walking with God. When you give your life to Jesus, you become a new creation. 
all things have passed away and all things become new. You're not of this world. You hear in the gospel, Jesus begins to mention this. We're not of this world. All things have passed away. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that's a good question to ask yourself is, has the new come to my life? A good way to gauge if you're saved is what direction are you going? Who are you following? What people, what direction, the signs around you, do they make sense to you? I've seen in my years of ministry that many people's frustrations come from holding on to worldly things. They're saved. They're somewhere they had an experience with God, but yet they want to go a different direction. This is difficult to do. It will be very hard for you to serve God if you try to go the different direction of the church. It'll be frustrating to you because God is moving the church the way he wants to. God is doing the work. The Bible says, I will build my church. God is doing it. It'll be frustrating for you to try to live a saved life while going the opposite of your members of the congregation, your community. Attempting to follow God in this world is not an easy task. There are dynamics in living in the world that we must not be ignorant of. Our flesh will always be our enemy. Our, our flesh will always continue to fight against us. Our flesh will always seek carnality, but it is with our flesh that we advance the kingdom of God. What a paradox. Our flesh will always pull you to the world, yet it is also the tool that's used to serve God. You ever thought about that? The Bible speaks about carnality and how it's the flesh, it's the car, our carnality that causes us to sin. And this is where all of our desires, it says the lust of the flesh, yet it also teaches us to submit and subject our flesh to the things of God. Romans chapter 6 Verse 12 through 14 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. It's not speaking about the spiritual um, body or a spiritual sense. It says your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Verse 13, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin, will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. He says, let not sin reign in your mortal body. That's hard. That's difficult because it is because of your mortal body that you sin. And there is a strategy from hell to derail us, to confuse us, or even twist our perspective of the one that we need to follow. Walking with God is the greatest joy you would ever receive. But it's also a very, very haunting task at times. I want to move on to my second thought, and that is getting into his stride. Earlier this year, there was a story about a woman. Her name is Christina Lopez. Um, she won a $4.9 million settlement from the city of Fresno. Um, and the settlement was over the death of her 16-year-old son, um, Isaiah Golding. 
He was captured on camera being shot and killed by Fresno police officers. As he ran away from the officers attempting to arrest him in 2017, she won that settlement. She walked away with $4.9 million, sort of. I'm sure there was taxes on it, but that's a whole different story, right? The settlement was one of the largest in the city's history. But now, Christina Lopez, she's been arrested for allegedly buying weapons for her other sons. <laughs> and bioweapons for the California gang he was a part of. Lopez now was one of the 14 people arrested in this months-long investigation, and the allegation is that she's using funds from her settlement to purchase weapons for the gang that her 14-year-old son belonged to before he was dead. <laughs> she used the money she won to continue to go the wrong way. To be in stride with God, you're going to have to let go of some of those lifestyles. And what happens many times is you're blessed with salvation. You're blessed by God through his grace and mercy. And sometimes even as, as, as a parallel, you're blessed with money and you'll use that to go the wrong direction. This is what happened to Jonah, right? Jonah, the Bible says he bought his own ticket to run away from God. Maybe you guys, you know that what you receive, your resources, your money belongs to God. God gave you that. Jonah used what God gave him to run away from him. And I venture off today that there's people, you might be sitting here in this, in this service. That's exactly what you're doing. You're using resources God has given you to run away from God. To walk with God, you got to get in a stride. In our scripture, we see that Enoch was unique in the fact that he walked with God. There's not many people that had that phrase, unique, because he was in sync and in stride with God. When it speaks about walking with God, it wasn't just, you know, what we're in the same 10-mile uh, radius or we think the same. It was a, a true uh, communion, if it will. It was a true unity. This is true to this, to this day. Those that truly walk with God are not many in this world. While we might have mega churches and many people who call themselves Christians, many crowds, but I guarantee you that the size of crowd you see is not the same if we were to say who truly walks with God. Because walking with God is not an easy task. While anybody can walk with God per se, in theory and in idea, Many choose to not go the way that God was walking. This is true in his ministry. Jesus touched many people, but he only had a group of people that surrounded him. You ever thought about why Jesus didn't have a megachurch? Why couldn't he have the same crowd that Joe Osteen has? Why doesn't he have the same crowds as some of the churches you watch? And it was simple because it was costly for people. The true gospel, the word of God is costly. It's going to require you to go the wrong, or not the wrong, but the different and opposite direction of other people. See, to walk with God, we must learn the way God walks. Does that sound like a, like a, like a tongue twister? <laughs> to walk with God, we must learn the way he walks. Which direction is he going? We don't have much evidence or backstory on Enoch's testimony. But we do know some details that help us understand how Enoch had to go in opposite direction of the world. 
You know, Enoch lived in a period known as the antediluvian age. This is the age before the flood. This was the time be between Adam and Noah. The Bible tells us that mankind grew wickedly and very quickly during that time. Enoch was just the seventh generation from Adam and Eve. But already the world had grown evil. And because they had many children, the population, the population had already grown exponentially. In other words, he lived in a world that was exceedingly evil. Sound familiar? The world tells us that the fallen angels in Genesis 6 took on a form and had children with daughters of men. That's how wicked it was. Angels were having children with human beings. And that's a whole different thing that we can talk about. But that's, that's the world that Enoch lived in. The word of God begins to describe the situation in Genesis 6, 5. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It was just this great wickedness. This was a world that was so bad that God ultimately destroyed the entire world he had made except for those who were in the ark. That's the world. Enoch lived during all this, yet God was pleased by his faith. There are attributes, beloved, that we must be aware of when walking with God. Attributes that we can take from men of God throughout the whole Bible that we need to add to ourselves. Some of you because you want to walk with God. You want to be in stride with him, in step, if you will, with him. He takes a left, you take a left, he takes a right, you take a right, you turn to right, I'll go with you. This is the, the picture that we have, the imagery of walking with God. It's not going to happen by just coming to church. It's not going to happen by just having experiences in the past. It's not going to happen by just you tithing and giving. There's different things that you have to do. Number one, you must rid of yourself. For Enoch, walking with God meant that he had to rid of anything that could derail him from focusing on God. There's people here, listen, the problem you have walking with God is you're distracted. Some of you guys, you didn't hear that because you're distracted. You're distracted. Right? You're thinking about lunch. You're on Facebook. You're, 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 you're trying to figure out... Um, um, did the Astros win last night, right? I mean, you're just, you're thinking of all these, the, the attention span of human beings is, is going lower and lower. Eventually, the goldfish are going to win. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to not have an attention span. And the question tonight or this morning that you should ask yourself is, are you distracted? When's the last time you actually sat down and had a good prayer time with God? The last time you opened your Bible and studied the Word of God. This can be attainable by everybody. It doesn't matter how long you work. It doesn't, doesn't matter what kind of job you have. You can find time. You find times for other, for other things, don't we? We find time all the time for other things. When's the last time you, you sat down, got rid of distractions, and got a hold of God? Getting rid of distractions is getting rid of yourself many times, right? It's going to a place where not even hobbies make it. There's this term, right? You say, this is the way I unwind. You ever heard that before? Some people, they unwind different ways. For some men, it's fishing. You go and do nothing, right? <laughs> 
That's you unwinding, right? That's, I mean, that's fine. I mean, if, you, if that's what you do. Some people is going to a gun range. Some people might be uh, playing sports. Some, I mean, you got, for, for women, crocheting. Does anybody crochet here? Nobody crochet. Okay, so <laughs> you can't use novelas. Novelas is not unwinding, okay? <laughs> that's, that's just adding more drama. That's, that, that ain't doing anything for you, right? Maybe for, for me, for example, for me, it might be reading a book or watching highlights of, of a sport that gets your mind and just, just kind of rids it, right? But I'm talking about a moment where not even those things make it in, where you're just alone with God. That's walking with God. You must rid of yourself. Number two, you must follow his direction. And what I mean by that is you cannot walk with God while in active disobedience to his word. You cannot walk with God while in active disobedience to his word. Take a moment and just ask. Don't ask yourself, ask God. God, is there an area where I'm disobeying you? Is there an area where I'm going the wrong direction? You cannot be in active disobedience. And then say you're walking with God. You must go his direction. That's if he went to the left and you went to the right and then you're looking for him. Right? Thirdly, you must learn how to get a second wind. So second wind is referring to running. I haven't ran in a while, I'll be honest with you guys. <laughs> but when, when, I was, when I was running, um, there was always this second wind that you can receive. And some people call it a second wind. Some people call it a runner's high. Um, and what happens is there's a certain moment where you overcome yourself and you're able to just continue to run. As a matter of fact, to a, to a fault, many people die because of this. Um, I preached a sermon, uh, I believe it was, it was on Wednesday, I was Pastor Brown. It might have been Sunday night, I don't remember. But I was speaking about how you can run yourself to death from God. You can run away from it. And what happens is these runners, they, they develop the second wind so well that they'll run themselves into a heart attack, right? But there's this moment in running that you just, you're just running and in your mind, you're just like, oh, this is so hard. It's 106 degrees out here, you know, like it's just, it's humid and you're running and, and you're looking at your watch or you're looking at something because you're trying, you're trying to get that goal. And it's just so hard for you. But then you, there's a step. There's always that one step that you overcome it. And now you can run another three miles because you've defeated your brain. You've, you've overcome your mind. And now it's not an issue. Now, now you're not fighting to get that goal, that, that 5K. Now, you're, now you can reach the 10K. It's the second win. And if you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to develop the ability to get a second wind. The truth is that while we walk with God, we're going to fall or even get tired. You ever met people who are clumsy? <laughs> they always fall somehow. And it's like you're running. It's like even in running. I had a friend. He was clumsy. He's like, I used to tell him, bro, we're running straight. <laughs> we're on a track. And you tripped. <laughs> Like it's, and many times what happens is they're sloppy runners. They're tripping over their heels. They're tripping over themselves. Their knees hit, hit their thighs. And it's like you don't have to run that close. <laughs> you, can, you can open up. You can, you can, you, you can have a, a good stride. Running with God, walking with God, you're going to trip. You're going to fall. As a matter of fact, there's going to be times where God is on the move. You ever heard that before? 
God's on the move, or even the physical church. You see your brothers and sisters are on the move, but you're just... <sighs> water. You know, and you're tired. And to effectively walk with God, you're going to have to develop the second one. You're going to have to be able to look at yourself, not look at other people. There's a place by looking at other people and being encouraged and being, being inspired. But listen, if you're going to run this marathon called life, you're going to have to be able to look at yourself and say, keep running. Keep going. You see where they're at. You see where they're going, but somewhere you're going to have to tell yourself, I need the second win. You do all this in faith that God will get involved, and he does. Many Christians want, want, to, they want the victories. They want the deliverance. They want to be able to raise their hand and say, you know what, I received a miracle from God. But listen, it comes through you being in stride with God. This morning in men's class, we we're speaking about, uh, we we're speaking about praying uh, how Jesus prayed and the moments that he was able to get his emotions involved. And we spoke about an intimacy with God. You've heard that before. An intimacy with God. This word intimacy means a reserved, secluded, exclusive place for somebody. In marriage, where a husband marries his wife, there is an intimacy between them. There is something, an area in relationship that says, you only know me here. Amen? This is why adultery is such, such a break and a breach of trust because somewhere what belongs to just one person begins to belong to other people. The area, we not even sex, there's the areas of intimacy where it's an emotional moment, it's an experience, it's, it's this, uh, this spiritual place. This is why you hear other times, they emotionally cheated on me because somewhere they had this connection that is just like, it's just, it, it wasn't supposed to happen, that was exclusive for that marriage, this is true when it comes down to God and you're walking with God that there's people here I don't doubt it and just knowing our human nature, our human nature is that we're trying to walk with God but we're also trying to walk with other things. And we're trying to walk with other people and there's this tug of war that somewhere you have to choose. See the tug of war, you ever played tug of war before? You're, you're, you're pulling and then you ever done it when, when, when it's like six versus six and you're pulling and the other people are strong and then you just let go? <laughs> and they're trying their hardest to grab onto wind. You know, they're just like, they're, they're doing everything because just let go. See, tug of war is only a tug of war if you hold on. It's only a battle if you're holding on. Walking with God is only a battle if you're holding on to other things. If you let go, listen, you'll see demons flee. You'll see them trying to grasp other stuff. This is what happens when you get saved. It tries to hold on to other things. Husbands, you've seen it. You get saved and it tries to hold on to your wife and it tries to hold on to your children. It tries to hold on to your finances. But listen, if you follow God long enough and if you walk with God long enough, you'll see those things fall. I'm going to close with my third point. And that is the Christian hope. Christianity is centered around ideas. The idea of salvation the idea of deliverance and dominion. And these ideas are our hope. Paul says, if I remember right in the book of Hebrews, he says, we have this hope 
that we can anchor ourselves to is this, is this hope that we know who God is. Our scripture shows how the word of God should live through us. Enoch walked with God because he pleased God. It's an incredible statement. He walked with God because he pleased God. This is Genesis chapter uh, chapter uh, 5, verse 22, right? Uh, verse 20, all those verses, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had no other sons. Thus all the day of Enoch with 365 years, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. What an incredible statement. Don't you wish God can take you sometimes? Let me guys, you prayed that. You prayed that this morning. God take me. Hebrews 11:5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Here's your question this morning. Are you pleasing God? The way you talk, are you pleasing God? The actions you take, your decisions, is it pleasing to God? The way you treat your spouse, the way you handle your money, is it pleasing to God? Our scripture shows that this was his unique thing that he had, his attribute. He pleased God. Enoch has a unique and incredible experience with God because of his effort to walk with God. He was commended as having pleased God. Our Bible says that it was Enoch's faith that pleased God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and without faith, which is the next verse in context to Enoch, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Think That's an incredible statement. You know, there's people, their faith is missing that other side. You believe he exists, but you don't believe he wants to reward you. I'm going to preach to somebody here this morning. Some, somebody's going to walk out with a victory. He says, for whoever would draw near to God must believe. Say with me, must. Must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. In other words, that in your action to, to follow him and walk with him, that it's not this vain, just kind of religious repetition, that it's not just I'm doing this because I want to make heaven my home and I don't want to spend eternity in hell. And, and it's not even this fear. And I get the fear is the beginning of wisdom. But listen, it's more than that. It is the fact that you know that God is your father and he wants to reward you. That as you get in step with him, that as you begin to live in purity, because that's the way he's walking. That as you begin to love your wife like he loves the church, because that's the way he loves. That as you begin to dismiss cynicism and give people the benefit of the doubt, because that's the God that we serve. You're compassionate with people. You evangelize because that's the heart of our God. So now you're in step with him. You know that as I do this, God's going to, he's going to reward me. He's going to give me something. That's what reward means. Reward means you do something and you get something back. That God is looking at you and he says, this is a man who is striving to walk with me. Listen, you can fool me. You can fool the church, but you're not going to fool God. God knows if you're in step with him. You might be promoted in ministry. You might even get some titles, even get some responsibilities. But fruitfulness and effectiveness, increase that comes from God, you're, God God's just not going to hand it to you. 
It goes to people who are in step with him. You know, in the early days of persecution, a humble Christian was brought before the judges. Many times he told them that nothing they could say could shake him because he believed that if he was true to God, God would be true to him. Right? This is the, many times it's the fantasy of Christians that one day you're going to stand somewhere in the quest of between, do you believe in Jesus? If not, then I'm going to chop your head off, right? But if you really think about it, we have that decision every single day. Forget chopping your head. Listen, they, they touch your money and you're gone. <laughs> touch your health and somewhere you're, you're, you're starting, ah, I'm not a Christian anymore. How can God and suffering and you start doing all of these things or you get all these conspiracy theories and now you're a Freemason and somewhere you're in the Illuminati and see that's the problem with the church and now you're all, you know, it's, it's, forget the chopping of heads. <laughs> YouTube was created and you were gone. Christianity centers around the idea of the certain hope. And our certain hope is that as I give my life to Jesus today, I will spend eternity with him in heaven. That's simple. No overcomplicating it. You don't need anybody to come and explain it to you. You don't need a watchtower to explain to you that. It's just a simple thing. We're on the way to hell. And Jesus saved us. This Christian hope should dictate every aspect of the way Christians conduct themselves. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7 says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Incredible statements. Verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. You should underline that. That your salvation, the grace and mercy God has for you, guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, in this you rejoice. Say with me, rejoice. Oh, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through its tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is this small compared to what God has for you. Whatever you're going through this morning, brother, sister, my friend, listen, is this small compared to the weight and glory that God has? They lived it. and They died in it. And it is the possession of it which makes them act the way they did. Billy Graham said for the believers, there is hope beyond the grave because Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven for us by his death and resurrection. It is this hope that will never fade away. Never. This is why we have celebrations of life instead of grieving in funeral, right? We celebrate the life because they finished the race. See, salvation comes through acceptance. We know this. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth unto salvation. But listen to me. Deliverance and dominion comes when we walk with God. The certain hope is that as we give our lives to Jesus, he will not only save us, but protect us and prosper us in life and eternity. 
It's not a coincidence that the man who did not see death was the man who was closest to God. Think about that. Here is this man, he walked with God, extremely close and intimate with God. Bible says he was and then he wasn't. People who are victorious and have dominion in life are people who are walking with God. You can see it in the fruits, right? It's somebody that's joyful, somebody that loves people. They're serving. You can just tell, right? I said, I said this morning in Sunday school, one of the, one of the, the, the worst uh, testimonies to have as a Christian is being unhappy. Right, somebody walks into church and they see you. You're, you're, you got this grumpy, this grumpy face, and you're just not, not serving God. You hate to be here, and, and it's like, well, people are going to see that. They're, they're going to see that, and that's, and that's a bad testimony. Oh, praise God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's not a coincidence. Listen, the man that walked with God is the one that got taken up. Walking with God is deliberate. It's intentional. You don't just stumble in God's direction. You don't stumble into the will of God. You don't stumble into destiny. You have to rid of yourself, rid of all distractions, and make a conscious effort to run the direction that God is running. That's being in stride with God. And I want to encourage every single one of you here this morning that you will analyze your walk with God and begin to rid of things that are keeping you away from getting close to God and have faith that God's going to reward you as you love him and as you walk with him. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Every head bowed, every eye closed in respect to God and respect to your neighbor. You're here this morning. You're not saved. You're not right with God. If you're to die today and stand in front of a living God, heaven will not be your home. This is as serious as anything can get beyond religion, beyond even what you feel this morning. One day we're all going to step into eternity and stand in front of a living God and the question is, will God accept you up there? There's a scripture in the New Testament in the Gospels where Jesus makes it clear. He says, if you accept me in front of men, I'll accept you in front of my Father. But if you reject me in front of men, I'll reject you in front of my Father. It's not about asking, do you believe that God exists? But it's simply... Do you have a relationship with him? And you very well know that. I trust that the Holy Spirit does enough work to convict. To convict to the point of salvation. You're here today. You're not saved. You're not right with God, but you want to give your life to Jesus. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're backslidden. Using this analogy, maybe at one point you were walking with God, but today you're... You're in a whole different place. You have no clue how you got there, but you are. Listen, repentance fixes everything. You can come back to a place where you're walking with God. In stride with Him. 
obeying. That's you today. Listen, I want to encourage you that you would raise your hand. That's you. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Last call. You're not saved. You're backslidden, but you want to get right. Raise your hand this morning. I want to pray for you. Very well. I want to change the order of the service. I want to speak to the church. I want to speak to Christians. Listen, church, walking, like I said, I don't want to re-preach my sermon, but walking with God can be, at times, an, an obstacle. It can be difficult. But if we work at it, if we always remain at, at this place where, you know what, God, I want to get as close to you as I can. I want to get right with you. I want to repent. It's this place of humility, knowing that if you're not in the right direction, you're, you're, you're going to end up in hell. It is in this fearful place, this place of condemnation. It is a very simple acknowledgement that, God, I need you. There's people here, listen, that's the challenge. God's telling you, listen, I'm going a different direction, and I need you to follow me. I want to encourage you, listen, let's open up these altars. Let's come and talk to Jesus. Let's stand up to our feet. We're going to sing out this song. It's all, every single one of us, let's stand up to our feet. These altars are open. I want to encourage you to come and get a hold of Jesus this morning as we sing out this song. Hallelujah.